0: welcome to the border collie Geek podcast i'm your host martina obsessed like you about border collies and dog training follow me to know more about this amazing breed and to learn from many inspiring dog professionals on how to make your training journey a success hello border collie geeks and welcome to a new episode we are nearly nearly at the end of this year podcast episodes series i don't know i know i don't i don't do series really i don't do seasons but i've decided since we're reaching 60 that i'm going to stop at 60 um for 2023 and i'm going to possibly only update you on um the farm uh podcast series the um farm chronicles and i'm going to leave all the list of um, never-ending episodes that i have in plan um in 2024 Um so we've got three episodes left if i'm not wrong with math and one of them is going to be next week and it's going to be uh, well next week the next one is going to be about sheep um and i decided that yeah there is no um, border collie podcast without an episode about sheep at least one we might do more and then the not the other two today and the next one hopefully um, that's the plan anyway are going to be um sort of case studies in a way that I'm going to interview my students because I want you to hear from them what training a border collie or a collie um so it's going to be a border and another breed another breed collie breed um is which you know what they've been through um before during and after working with me and yeah i want i want you to hear from them what their journey was because it's easy for me to tell you how your journey should look like or you know what i expect a training journey to look like but an actual Person that has been through and is still going through with a young collie, yeah, it's it will it will give you hopefully some hope or more understanding of what you're going through. And even when the hope is not the dream or the expectation we had at the beginning, it's still positive and it's still something that will bring us closer to our dogs and um, so today episode is with laura um, that owns alfie and is one of my collie club students and she's only been my collie club student. so me and laura and we'll tell this on the episode live not even an hour away from each other um, but we've never met in person all the training she's done with me is through the collie club and even then we still had managed to have a, you know, a good, like it's like, I know her and it's like, I know Alfie, although we never met actually in person, which is quite kind of, you know, um, funny. And I think probably she feels the same because she looks, she watches so many videos of me every time on the Collie club, um, all the video tutorials, all the podcasts, all the webinars, um, all the live videos. So probably she knows me, um, you know, she feels like she knows me as as we've met. Um, but I'm not going to tell you anymore because she's going to tell everything. And um it's nothing scientific, is nothing too technical, is just Laura and Alfie's journey from where they started to where they are now. And also what is the expectation for the future. I hope you enjoy this, and you know that if you need me. I'm here, I'm going to work online until I have to stop because I have to physically move. So the Collie Club is going and it's going to be there even while I'm moving because I can actually run it from my phone, um, which is amazing. And um, I don't need actually Wi-Fi or I need a computer, although it doesn't take me much to get my MacBook on. And um, if you need me in person and you are, you know, north of Manchester, I'm coming your way is not long to go and if you want to work with me on one-to-one programs i will have to take a break so i'm going to only take students for another couple of weeks and um, before then is um you know is not enough time to start a new program together before the break christmas break um, but keep reaching out to me if it's not in the next eight weeks it's going to be in the new year so i'm always here to help i'm never going to stop training even though I'm going to have to run a farm at some point. Um, Enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you all very soon. Welcome you, Laura, to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, today is a bit of a different episode. I think I've done a similar one a year ago where I interviewed two of my students Um. And, you know, we chatted about the journey and everything. And I wanted to do a few more just because I think it's quite good for people to hear, not just from me, that I'm the professional. You know, I'm the person that, you know, that see your dogs and your struggles. I think it's good sometimes to actually hear it from someone that is actually training the dogs and is he's, and he's going through, um, you know, challenges of, of owning border collies in a urban environment. So um, I'm finishing my 2023 series with two of my students so it's going to be you and then there's going to be philippa um on another podcast um, with two very different dogs um, but it's good to you know I, I i like to give this to my listeners you know the, the real stories and i know we have a bit of question but before we start with some question would you like to introduce yourself and your dog to the
1: listeners Yes, yes, sure. So, so my name's Laura. Um, I have a two and a half year old border collie, uh, called Alfie, uh, and we live. Um, we're we're a bit more urban. We live we live in the Greater Manchester area. As uh, and other problems that, that come with having a collie in in a city. Yeah,
0: yeah. And what is Alfie' background? So, where is he from, and what what age was he when you when you got him home?
1: Yeah so we we actually got him we got him as a puppy um we did absolutely everything that you can think of wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We we were very naive um first-time dog owners uh we decided on a collie because I had had collies growing up um my granddad's collies were mountain rescue dogs so I've got quite high expectations of of dogs um we're quite although we live um in, in the city, we've got quite active lifestyles. We we go out to uh, the Lake District most weekends. My partner does fell running, um. So we just felt that we we would be able to give a collie a really good life. Um, we got him from a breeder in Leeds. Uh, it was a breeder who hadn't done breeding before. We don't know if he's a full collie. We actually think that he might be a mix because although he's got all the traits of a collie and he looks like a collie. He's also got the legs of a gazelle. He's really, really mm, tall. Yeah. Collie. And I know they do. I come- think he's a collie. I think he's a collie. Well, you know, a lot of people <laughs> say that and then and then they they get to know him. And um he is he is really big for I know they come in all different sizes, but his yeah. his legs are just unusually long. Um so yeah, we we got him we got him from from a puppy. Um, but we did Although we felt as if we did a lot of things right, in hindsight, I think we did a lot of things wrong, and we also had quite a few um few things happen when he was younger, such as an injury, um which meant that he didn't get the socialising he probably needed. Mm. So, what time was he when he got injured? He was probably about um within about four about four months, he got a leg injury um from running into a wall <laughs> oh no <laughs> I know he ran it ran into a wall and he, I think he must have displaced something in his shoulder um but it meant bed rest and he he was on rest for about six weeks um for about one or two of those weeks it was actually crate rest um but it meant he just missed out on quite a lot of of being out there when he when he was quite young
0: yeah and I think uh, you know a, a lot of my students not a lot of them but there's a good percentage of students or dogs I see that had that kind of young age injury that because sometimes they get shoulder injuries and they have to be operated or because, you know, they just hurt themselves and there is a period of their puppyhood or when they're puppies that it's just not about a socialization. I think it's also about a frustration that builds up with having to rest while their body's telling them to move and their brain is telling them to move and they have to rest and they get frustrated and, you know it's just it's just it's just escalating I think a lot of emotions then of course when then finally they're allowed to be out there they've got so much energy they've got so much adrenaline they've got so much excitement and then they start being more reactive because of what they had what they built up in that rest time is that what happened with him
1: yeah no that that was exactly Alfie he was um up until about nine or 10 months, he was, it, you know, it's a, a tale as old as time. As as a puppy, he was perfect, super friendly, listened really well, um, all of this. And then he hit his adolescence and it, the whole world fell apart. Um, he, he forgot all of his recall. He started resource guarding. He started reacting to dogs and people. Um, in the space of a week, he uh, nipped three different people in our house, one of them being a dog walker we were trying to introduce to him. Um, so it meant we couldn't have anybody in the house. It meant we couldn't have anybody else look after him. Um, yeah, just absolutely everything you can think of. His, ac- his herding started, so about it, it, his herding was activated and anything that moved he wanted to chase. Uh, so yeah, it was all, all of that frustration was, was built up and built up and it, it did, it just exploded quite, quite, quite big.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what, how old was it when you started, you you look out, you, you started looking out for help and, and you you found me, I'm not sure if you had other trainers before me. I don't remember that because we've been together now nearly, you know, the whole like yeah, length of the, the college club, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. been probably, you were probably one of the founder members. Um, and so before, before you found me, um, yeah so how did you go through the process of finding or finding a solution for what was going on
1: yeah so um we did actually we had we had a trainer from as soon as as we um had him as soon as we got after we, we got a trainer um who we would see maybe on a week once a week um basis and then around the time that all of these all of these problems started we, we went to see this trainer and we'd had a little bit of a break just because of his injury as well at one point um and we wanted to talk to him about the recall because there were so many problems, but the recall was a really big one because it meant that um, we could never have him off the lead um, in case anything came around the corner or there was any movement or um, we just didn't trust him with his reactivity at that point. even if we had a secure field, um, his, his recall was so bad um, that if we wanted to go home after being in a secure field, we couldn't get him back. Um, so it was just, that was the one thing we really, really wanted to to get a handle on. Um, and this trainer he he suggested that we probably would need an e collar, and we just weren't we we just didn't think that we we wanted to do that. And also we didn't feel as if we'd um, exhausted all the options. We felt as if you know he he could do recall before he can do it again. Um, and that was around the time that we then we then came to you, um, because we felt as if we needed somebody who specialised in border collies. We felt that one of the main problems was that, or, or a lot of these problems, the nipping, the herding, they were all border collie traits. And we wanted somebody who understood um, understood the breed. And that led us to your door. Yeah, and funny enough,
0: we live probably an hour apart or even less, but we're not met in person Yeah. Yet. Not yet. I've not met Alfie, so you actually found me and decided um, to join the Collie Club. I think that time was uh, the time where we were still in sort of a social distancing and we were still, you know, in, in lockdown. It was probably, yeah, it was around um
1: 2021 probably uh yeah it was um so I think you we got Alfie just as everything opened up but you still weren't allowed people in your home Mm -hmm. uh, which which helped with uh, the house guest uh, issue that we had um so yeah, I think it was a it was a mixture of that and also at the time this all happened just as we put an offering for a house. Yes, uh, so we were we were on a really tight budget at this at this point because we were we were saving and getting ready to to buy this house and we just didn't have any spare cash. So actually, first first training became unaffordable for us. But the Collie Club is just such an affordable an affordable thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you join, yeah, you join at the beginning of the membership and you've been. Ever since, and you, you keep you know you keep being a member, which you know I thank you for it because I know that you know now the core of the membership is is been done. You know we have so many modules on and everything, and I come up with some new modules every now and then. But you know you still stay because um, what is it that you find? So what is it that let, let's talk about this? I have a few questions for you because I want you know want to um, so you came in and you had all this problem with Alfie. He was around eight, not ten months, I think.
1: Yeah. You yeah. said
0: when you joined. So what Um, what did you what help did you find in the in the Collie Club? What exercises, what
1: what what training, what management, what is it that helped
0: you yeah, straight away I- joining the Collie Club?
1: Well, straight away, it was just having that support group, that support network, because I felt as if we were completely alone in what was happening with Alfie. Actually, there were so many people in in the club and still are who say, oh, we've we've had that problem. And don't worry, um, we were able to fix it. And it was just so good knowing that one, there were people who were going for exactly the same thing I had done. And two, knowing that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Um, especially in those early days I think absolutely it, it one tiny little thing would happen which was a daily occurrence and I would just fall apart and I'd come to the collie club and I'd have a big a big rant and it was just nice to know that I could do that and I'd get that support and I could pick myself back up whereas now I'm a bit more resilient with it Um, yeah. I think when I first joined as well I just didn't know where to start with him there was so many problems but it was just, I wanted to fix everything and fix it straight away. Whereas actually having the different modules and you you don't have to do them in order, you would point us towards yeah. well, if having this problem, go have a look at the recall section, for example. And it meant that actually we could just hone in on each problem, work through that, and then we we would um, make our way on to, to the next problem.
0: Yeah. And I find that that what you say about the fact that, you know, little things makes you fall apart and you know I think you feel also the social pressure that you need to have a dog that behaves that other will see you and will judge you that you're not training your dog and I know that a lot of other members feel the same feel like they're not you know people will look at them as like oh come on spend some time training that dog and I think that it's it's finding that kind of finding the assurance actually you can't you can't fix them quickly You can't just expect them to suddenly get out of adolescent, you know, in three weeks of training or yes, you can train every day. You can train a bit every day, but it's not going to be as quick as, you know, I want to fix my car, goes to the mechanic and in a week is fixed. Yeah. And I think that that's what I want really to people to to feel. And I know that it takes time to be able to actually realize that is not it's not a quick fix it will take months it will take years it will take what it takes and you have to learn to
1: filter all the expectation that you have around you yeah abs- absolutely and actually you know it, it's amazing how you 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 chip away at these at these big problems you chip away at them bit by bit mm-hmm. and um one day they're just not happening anymore and and it's sometimes you expect it to be this big change and you, and you just to notice one day but actually it just happens so subtly but one day you go oh we we've, we've just walked past uh, a bike a runner a dog a car and Alfie's not even glanced at them and I don't remember when that happened but it just it just happened
0: yeah and I think I say that many many times you know a year from now you'll look back, as I said that to my students, If uh, now you'll look back and you will think how your dog used to be, this isn't that, and you suddenly realize they don't do it anymore, but you're not remembering when that's happened. And it happens to me, you know, I took Tay, for a, for a, um, to the farm sale a few weeks ago, busy with dogs, people, kids, there's, you know, everything. And I don't remember taking Tay that often out to places like this, because we don't tend to do it too many dogs. And when we go out without to do something, we tend not to take dogs with us because our life is dogs. <laughs> and so when we go out, we just say, okay, no dogs today. It's a, it's a day for us without dogs to just enjoy, you know, walking in a, in in a market and everything. And, you know, suddenly I, he got out of the car. I put the lead on, and he was straight looking at me, not pulling, not wanting to engage with dogs, not wanting to engage with people, not interested in sniffing. Just very focused. And I was like, "Ooh, you know." Suddenly, I was like, "Wow, this is nice." <laughs> of course, this the training I've done for a year, but because I don't take him to those events that often, I didn't realize that it happened. But suddenly,
1: I have an adult dog. He's not an adolescent anymore, um, oh, and yeah. it just happens. Yeah, and that, you know, that month, they all say, you know, the adolescent stage is quite difficult, but wait till they hit two or whatever age your, your dog matures. And honestly, Alfie hit two and and it was like a switch turned and we had practically had our puppy dog back. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I know we can't talk, you know, massively about, you know, it's, it's difficult to talk. I talk a lot about training on this podcast already, but I'm not going to ask you how did you work but you know what kind of tell me a bit how how much how much training you've put in because I think the one thing that a lot of people struggle with is I know there is amount there is a lot of work to put in there's a lot of exercises there's a lot of techniques there's a lot of things to remember there's mechanic there's the market there's the rewards but you know in in practical terms how much training have you put in daily on Alfie?
1: daily so i would say honestly i only do probably a dedicated 20 minute a day training session with him and um, this is on top of his works. but tra- just training but then all the techniques that we've learned um we, we've learned some techniques from from the colleague club um and from the modules which we then use every day so just a cu- couple of examples so when we were doing a recall training um the big thing with Alfie is that he he stopped thinking we were interesting everything else was interesting he didn't he didn't want to be near us. he wanted to be near everything else um but we turned it into a game and it was games um from a module that really incorporated his herding uh so one when we did that that was our 20 minutes every day we would go play about it was you know when I say 20 minutes it's through the day it's five minutes here five minutes there and Now his recall is bulletproof. It's it's amazing. He he can start chasing something like a bird and he, he can recall straight back. Beautiful. Um other things that we still do with him are pattern games. Um yeah. we found that on our walks, Alfie just couldn't, he could not focus. He was so overstimulated, he was looking everywhere else, he was pulling. Um, he just he just wanted to storm ahead. Um, but we started using different pattern games, so one, two, three uh look at that game uh scatter feeding um and those games we used to do it was a you know every single car we would see we would scatter feed and that's a lot of cars in an urban environment um now i don't scatter feed at all because he he doesn't he's he just doesn't need it anymore um we do play one two three and we play look at that when he's quite stressed um but that used to be every single walk and every like five steps of a walk and now it might be once a walk here and there yeah so it really ranges depending on what what he needs
0: yeah and I think that's that that's the other powerful message training is not just a session that you do during the day sometimes it just becomes incorporated to your daily things with the dog you go for a walk that's training you know it, it becomes part of how you interact with the dog which yes it is training because you're still rewarding things you're still you know you're still maybe building on things, but then become just parts of your walk with a dog. You know, pattern games is not just something you do. Like, you know, if I want to do my fitness training, I do 20 minutes of fitness in the house, but then I go out for a walk and I just walk. I don't do fitness on a walk, but with dogs, it's not like that. Training becomes part of your routine, especially with dogs that of course has some, you know, behavioral issues or some environmental issues, just part of what you do with your dog daily, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's exactly that we're con- constantly training, but it doesn't. Whereas before, it felt as if we had to dedicate the time. Now it just feels like it's part of it's just part of a routine that we do with him all the time. If, any opportunity is a training opportunity.
0: Yeah, and you would said something now about um when he's stressed, I still do it. So, what does it look like your life with Alfie now? So, what are still the parts that he struggled with, and then you're still working on because is still find them challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's he's always been. Um, when it comes to, um, movement, he's now fine. He doesn't he doesn't lunge at cars. He doesn't. He's not bothered about people running past. However, um, we live quite near a train line now. There's a bridge that we have to walk over if we want to get to any of the walks. If we walk over that bridge and a train goes over, it used to be that we couldn't walk over it at all. Full stop. Whether there was a train or not. Now we can walk over. If the train goes underneath, we just have to stop for a moment, and then just start playing playing a game with him. So one, two, three, or scatter feed him, and then once the train's gone, he's a little bit alert, but we carry on. Um, he's actually been fine up until about about a month ago. If he heard a train and then cars would go past, he would still want to lunge on just on the bridge. Um, but he stopped that recently, so I think I think we're, we're working through that. Um, but just when it's so, you know, times like that, when he is a bit highly stressed, some of those behaviours come to the surface a little bit more, but he's starting to be able to control them. Um, with our house guests, so we, at first we couldn't have house guests at all. We we couldn't have them. He was really stressed. Um, he came across as quite, he's quite big, so he comes across quite scary, barking, lunging. If somebody was to put their hand out, he would nip. We just couldn't, we couldn't have anybody in the house. Now, if we managing properly so we introduce him properly usually outside absolutely fine he lo- he loves people the next step for me because it is it is about those little tiny baby steps is if if we have somebody say a builder or someone who's not going to be in for a long time in the house we tend to just pop him in the garden or to ten, tend to put them upstairs and we ju- we just don't introduce him because it's it, yeah. um it's they're not here for enough time yes um, but he does get distressed, he'll be barking and not happy about them being in the house. So the next step for me is then um, him being comfortable with other people in the house. Um, I know that that starts from a door knocking because door knocking is a real trigger for him. Uh, yes. So you, if we have people around, we say, don't knock, text us when you're here, we'll come outside, we'll do yeah. a five-minute walk and we'll come in, done. Um, but if somebody knocks on the door, you know, I'm happy that he alert barks, that's fine um but it does just it gets it gets him really um stressed and we don't yeah. want to stand him stressed yeah yeah definitely it's funny what you say
0: about the door knocking you know we we have the same problem our dogs bark at the door so when we have dog people coming in visiting you know our friends that have dogs they always say "Yo, oh, I'll send you a message when I arrive they don't even have to be told and um, when it's not it's like family or is you know just the odd visitors then yeah we might have to tell can you please just send me a message when you arrive I mean if it's family it's not a big deal they know the dogs will bark and and they just bark because there's someone at the door not because they want to do anything but yeah it's funny how yeah dog, dog friends always say I'll text you when I'm outside <laughs> to avoid taking the whole place down with the barking, especially the tollers that can be quite noisy. (laughs) Um, Okay. So just a bit of recap of, you know, what your life looks like today. So you went from struggling to walk him, he was pulling, he was reacting to actually, you know, can you, can you now go for walks a bit more like lighthearted with him? Because I know you struggle a lot with dogs reactivity and we talked about that. We worked through that a lot because you were worried about, how you would react to dogs and I, I know one of the things apart from the house problem with with visitors and guests that it's something that we've been working on um the dog reactivity is something on walks is something you've been wanting to work and and get more confident yourself so what does it what, what does a walk now do, do you just decide okay now today we're going for a walk like in the lakes on the peaks and are you much more confident than you were before
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Alfie's biggest problem at the minute is is probably me and my confidence. Uh, you know, when, when you've had quite a few big knocks um, with your dog, it it, it it knocks your own confidence and it's, it's really hard to trust them. Um, and Alfie is actually more reactive with me. He's not that reactive with anybody else. But with me, he is. And it's probably because I'm getting I'm getting anxious or nervous when I walk him but compared to you know where we were at the beginning i'm far more confident with him before i would have um avoided going anywhere busy avoided if i saw a dog i would cross the road or I'd decide no we can't we can't go that way um i wouldn't have him off the lead too much in case um you know we saw another dog now um i don't mind going places that are busy i know that i can keep control of him I, my my biggest problem is always other people and their dogs just in if Alfie, if Alfie was off lead, I don't actually think he would go over to another dog. He's not bothered about other dogs. He's not, he's not bothered about go, um, being a friend or playing with them. The problem is, is when they run at him, he gets, he gets scared, and he wants to get in that first snap. Um, yeah. but I know that I have control of him. So if I'm on a field and we're walking, if I see another dog, I'll call Alfie back because we have a recall. Um, Amazing pop him on the lead and we can walk past and we can walk right next to him, and I can keep his attention and I'm happy with that. The problem is is when other people, their dog comes over and they don't have that control. But that used to really bother me. And now I think, well, I can't do anything about that. I, you know, I just have to get on and they it's up to them with their dog. Um yeah, now when we go on we go on walks, we go to the peaks most evenings, um, we have him off lead um and i don't worry about that we have him off lead he has a brilliant a brilliant time he has a lot of fun uh, i feel confident and i know of it if i see another dog if i see something that i think oh well I, I don't think he should be off lead then i'll just i'll just call him back and pop him on his lead for for two minutes uh so it's made such a difference because it did go from you know we'd just come out of covid um and I was still really isolated. We couldn't go anywhere with him. We couldn't have anybody here um, to the house because of his behavior. So it just we felt really, really isolated um, and we were just, we were just struggling. Um, whereas now, yeah, it's great. Life's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And I think I think another thing you said that is is very important is like, yes, our dogs are off lead, but having a recall means that any situation that you're not sure about dogs goes back on leads, you know, dogs, the dogs don't have to be off lead for the whole walk. There are situations where the dogs have to go back on lead because they have to go past something that you're not sure about. And, and it's having, I think, you know, a lot of the time people think that a, a very well-trained dog or a dog that can, it's a dog that enjoys their time completely off lead the whole time, but it's not like that. It's actually management on a walk. It doesn't matter how good the dog is trained management on a walk is still present the whole time my dogs are on constant management if I see another dog coming if I see a bike if I see a jogger they always come back they lie they lie down a distance another you know useful thing lie down a distance they come back they go back on lead and is is management because of course it's not just you on a walk there's the rest of the world and unfortunately you have to take that into consideration even if you have a well-trained dog anyway
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: yeah yeah okay so um have you got anything else that you would like to, you know, to share anything like how you feel or what you're looking, what you're looking forward for the future or any message for other um owners out there that are struggling at the moment
1: with a teenager dog? Yeah, I would just say do not struggle in silence, <laughs> do yeah. not struggle in silence, reach out, you know, reach out to Martina or reach out to um, the that'll do academy because even even if you join the academy and it's just for the moral support it really really helps just to know that you're not alone um, and also um, being able to work through those problems it feels like it's never ending it feels like you'll never overcome a problem but actually if you just keep on at it bit by bit chunk by chunk um, it does. It does get better, you know. Alfie. There was one point with Alfie that we we really didn't know if we could we could keep him. We um because we just thought we weren't very good dog owners at all. And I'm so glad that we kept with it because he's he's lovely. He's the best dog. Yeah. Um, and the adolescence phase will pass. <laughs> yes. It's absolutely horrible. Um, I've actually got some friends who've got a dog at the moment who's just hit the adolescence and they're having a really hard time. Um, and I keep saying to them, keep keep on, keep on at it. Wait till they get to like two and it'll it'll all get better. But I think, the main, you know, as well, the main thing in adolescence is just keep up with that training. It feels like the training's not working, uh, but one day they'll just turn around and suddenly... They're coming yeah. back. To it. <laughs> yeah and how many times did I tell you don't walk him tomorrow keep
0: him for a couple oh. of days at home he won't take treats don't worry he will take treats again just yeah
1: stress uh, you know what when we that was the, the first thing um you said to us and the first thing we did was um Alfie was so overstimulated with everything in the world and I was just so stressed with it all you just said stop going out stop going out uh just have a couple of days where you know he just goes into the garden, he just he he just decompresses. And I thought that's crazy, he's a collie, he needs he needs to be going out for hours at a time. And no, it just completely decompressed him. It meant we could start with a clean slate, I and then mean, any time that we had a really, really stressful walk, we just didn't go out the next day. And actually, now I can't think of the last time that we did that because he's just he's just so calm with things Probably when you moved last time because I remember you said
0: when you move you're like oh the new house is so reactive and I was like oh yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah when we moved yeah when we moved house he, he started um he started lunging at cars again and now yeah. now he's fine yeah I think the last time we we went away about a month or two ago in a camper van uh, and he had a great time, but when he came back, he was just a bit, you know, he was out of sorts, out, out of routine. So we just didn't go out for the day afterwards, and he, he was absolutely fine. He was great. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't need to be walked eight hours a day. Yeah, definitely. They
0: need mental stimulation, and yeah, yeah and 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 feel feel safe. Yeah, not rushed around. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, and I, actually, that was um, that was a big thing for us at the beginning where we were figuring out what games and pattern games that would work for him what techniques would work for him um probably with other dogs but definitely with a collie they have a, a working dog so um we knew that he needed a job but all of these pattern games that we played with him um they just really gave him like it meant that every day had a little bit of structure uh, one thing like i said he could he could never focus on a walk um, we started doing um, scent training with him, and he—oh yes, I mean my gosh—that's all we did: recall training and scent training. Were the, the two only two things we did for a couple of months in terms of training? Um, and he loved it, absolutely loved it. He—he—it um, just made him now. And then it actually got to the point. That on a walk, it got a little bit frustrating because he wouldn't stop sniffing. <laughs> it went from not sniffing at all to every two steps he was sniffing. But that was great because we wanted him to calm down and to be able to, to enjoy sniffing and walking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I think it was a really positive, a positive chat. So thank you very much for for being part of the podcast and telling your story and um yeah, I, I I'm looking. Am I am might, I might interview again in a year, and then we'll see where he is in a year. Um, because he will be good, you know. I'm sure the majority of it is done. Uh, is is there and personality is personality. You know, it's never going to be everyone's friends, as soon as they enter the house. But you know, with you found a way to allow him to accept visitors, and and you understood his. You know, his personality towards dogs, you know, I have the same. Tay went from being perfectly happy with everyone to okay. deciding, you know what? I don't want you in my face. So I ignore you completely. But if you come too close and I don't like you, I'll show you my teeth and I'll tell you I don't like it. And it's perfectly fine. You know, it's fine. My dog is allowed to say I don't like it. And I myself put a lot of expectation on Tay because he was such a social puppy. They're like, yes, I've got a social one. You know, and you think, oh, okay, but no, actually, you grow up to be. I don't care about dogs, and I don't want to talk to them. Um, so please stay away, and and that's fine, you know. And you did the same thing. You 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 learned to understand Alfie, and to understand what he likes, and actually allow him to tell someone that he doesn't like, and but learn how to how to manage those situations and learn how to how to not make him feel like he's pushed to into the situations so well done
1: thanks thank you very much thanks for your help as well couldn't have done it
0: without you oh good and po- hopefully in the new year we'll get to meet each other uh, when you yes. when you come after the farm for a walk or for a bit of training with the yeah. rest of the members because i'm going to definitely organize another training uh, day for the Collie club members
1: yeah can't wait that'll be brilliant
0: yeah great thank you very much Thank you for listening to the Border Collie Geek podcast. If you want to know more about my work and how I can help you with your border collie, visit www.dattledoacademy.com or follow me on Facebook and Instagram.